You're now listening to Real Estate Journeys, episode 81. Let's get it. Me on the top and I won't stop me. Me on the top and I won't stop me. Me on the top and I won't stop me. Me on the, me on the, top. Yo, 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 yo. What's going on, everybody? This is your boy, Matty B, a.k.a. Matthew Baltzell. Welcome back to Real Estate Journeys, the exclusive podcast for real estate investors looking to scale their business to 100 units and become location independent. And today's episode, we are interviewing a top-notch entrepreneur himself. His name is Justin Goodbread. He is an amazing gentleman. We've had a great conversation before this and he is the CEO and founder of FinanciallySimple.com, and he is the author of The Ultimate Sale, and Justin specializes in helping entrepreneurs and small business owners build an exit strategy into their thriving business, whether they plan on creating a, a legacy business or selling a company within 10 years, Justin is an expert in building a plan for maximum profit. I'm glad to have you. Justin, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, brother. Appreciate it. Yeah, I'm glad to have you on. So, uh, you know, we spoke a little bit earlier. So, on real estate journeys, we like to bring on entrepreneurs and basically help people, you know, learn to maximize their profits. Could you get, give us the listeners a little bit about your financial background and how you guys or how you kind of got into finance? Sure, sure. So, I grew up in South Georgia on the coast, down near just a little south of Savannah, Georgia, a little town called Brunswick. Um, was homeschooled my entire life. Started my first business when I was 16. 15, 16, roughly it was um, dealing with grass cutting. And we turned our little yard cutting business into a business where my brother and I actually ended up making more money than my mom and dad by the time we were 18. It was pretty amazing. So entrepreneur at the age of 15, if I'm currently now 40, so put some years behind that one. So about 25 years of running my own business. Um, sold that business, ended up moving to Tennessee, uh, came in the finance world, almost on a dare. I did not like finance. I, I'm not a salesperson. And the people in suit and ties trying to tell me that I need to take all my cash and throw it in Wall Street just I, I, candidly just frustrates me. And I didn't want to be a part of it. But someone dared me. They said, hey, if you can pass these three tests, we'll give you some money. And it was an insignificant amount of money. So I'm like, I could pass any test for some money. So I took some tests, learned a new language, passed it and got the money. Lo and behold, kind of fell in love with the world of finance, not from the world of Wall Street, which I often view as the entrepreneur's enemy, but from the viewpoint of understanding finance can help me in my entrepreneurial journey. So since that time period, since I sold the first business, I've now sold two others and I currently own three businesses myself. So man, entrepreneurship is in my blood. Um, I've done everything from running uh, service businesses to professional businesses to investing. I've, I've currently, I've, I've owned real estate from every avenue you can think of, from mobile homes to our own land now, uh, personal residences, rental houses, multifamily, flip houses, anything you can think of in real estate. I've just about dealt with in my 25 years as an entrepreneur. So Dude, it's in my blood deep. I love it. I'm, I'm the champion. I want to be a champion for entrepreneurs out there to say, you can do this, burn the boats and charge hell with a water pistol. And let's go. Mm. That's who I am. Nice. I love it. Yeah, I know. I know a lot of people right now, especially, you know, with all the news around kicking around, you feel as though like, are we going to go in recession? Are we going to not go in recession? People really don't know. You know, everybody's like, when should I invest in real estate? And a lot of people say, best time to invest in real estate is right now. And then people are like, should I buy? Should I not buy? Should I wait for the recession? What would you kind of say to people, somebody that's thinking about maybe getting into an investment or maybe they're not 
finance? Should they give their money over to somebody? Should they educate themselves? What should they be looking at as far as like a financial vehicle is concerned? Yeah, that's a great question. I got to tell you off the bat, my crystal ball is broken. I tried to look in it this morning to see what the future holds and it's not working for me. Okay. But I can tell you what I personally have done. And what I would personally tell somebody, probably not as a CFP, because this is going to fly in the face of Wall Street and what most financial experts would say. But I think if you invest in yourself to that point, number one, is you, if you invest in yourself with maybe some tutelage, maybe with some good online courses, some books, et cetera, whenever the markets are questionable, the real estate market, especially in the US right now, is somewhat questionable. Whenever mm-hmm. it's questionable, any investment you make in yourself will pay dividends over your lifetime. And it's something that no one, uh, no bad economy or no bad presence can ever rob from you. So first thing I would say is always invest in yourself. Second thing is cash is king. Um, I lived through 07, 08, 09 as a professional in the finance world. And I remember watching the valuations on my personal portfolios, both as securities and real estate dropped significantly. Thank God I had positioned a lot of cash at that particular time and was able to weather the storm, but not only weather the storm, come out of that storm um, with a significant higher net worth than I went into the storm. So whenever we're looking at a, a market that is looming, I'm not saying it's immediate, but there's a looming recession, it's time to now start building some cash positions up and positioning ourselves for a potential buy. So I would call it recession-proofing yourself. One of the things you can do is start squirreling some cash back because you never know these individuals who are out there extending themselves on credit, life, et cetera. Whenever the times get hard, times get hard, but it also gives us opportunity for those of us who have cash. Um, mm. So those would be the first two things I would say. And the third thing I'd say is, you know, timing, quote, the market. And I'm not talking about the stock market. I'm talking about the real estate market in this context. Timing the market it's possible. And many times people would come on with their success stories of the homers they hit in that market timing. And just like in the securities market, it's really not necessarily the timing of the market. It's the time in the market. So I'll give you my personal life story. And it's something that I personally dealt with. I bought a piece of real estate as a house here in East Tennessee back in 2007. I paid 79,000 for this single family unit. I had the opportunity to sell it in January of 2008, right before the ugliness of the recession hit, I had the opportunity to sell it for 107,000. So some significant increase because of the run-up in the real estate market, akin to what we've seen here in our local markets or the domestic market here at this point. I didn't. I didn't sell it. Hindsight, yes, I wish I would have. Now, I did rent it out for the following uh, 10 years, but I just sold it this year. I sold it this year for $130,000 only after I had to go in and put about $15,000, $20,000 of repairs into the house for that long-term rental. If you backwards calculate my ROI on that property, it would have been better for me to have sold it when the market was peaking or when the market was getting tumultuous, right? Mm -hmm. As opposed to trying to hold it for that 12, 13-year period, only making an ROI in my case after you look at all the expenses of like 2%. Crap, I could have held it in, in cash and probably made more than 2%. So if you're looking at the economy right now, you got to go through, number one, are you educated and know how to look for a good deal? Number two, are you positioned in cash to whenever someone is, whenever they go through this hard time that's ahead of us, this winter time and the seasons that's ahead of us, that you can come in and drop in with some serious bank. And if you're currently holding assets, man, the market's sweet right now. Almost, almost in the US, almost nationally, there's some nice values right now might not be a bad time to start 
strategically parting from some of those, which by the way is what I've did, what I've done. I've divested mm-hmm. myself of all my rental properties. I'm currently investing in land, raw land, um, timber effects. Uh, I can timber some things with some subdivision later on, but raw land is where I'm purchasing is undervalued. So I, I can't answer every particular listeners mm-hmm. that question, but that's the way my mind approaches. Um, one last little point on that. I can tell you that the real estate investors that I, we, we serve as, as clients of ours, we have clients who hold hundreds of units, um, various types of units, various different demographics, and most of them are selling right now. Most of mm. them are. So yeah. I don't know if that's an answer to the question. I'm not saying to sell your real estate. That's not what I'm saying. Yeah, no, I, saying. I think I think you know what you're kind of saying is like basically you're saying like if you can like hedge your bets, right? And you're educating yourself, and everybody is. There's no one. There's one, no one all be all. And I find a lot of times, you know, in real estate investing, especially now, people are chasing the tail end of the markets. And we lost, we lost the property to somebody that was putting a million dollars, like hard money down. And we're like, all right, like we're out. And then we come across 50, 60 deals. We underwrite 10, we submit three LOIs and we get one property. And the last property we got was in February and we were awarded that property in last November and we closed on it in February. So we haven't done another one this year, but that was 138 units. So it's a it's you got to put in a lot of work to get, you know, just maybe close one deal. And from like learning like about finances and you know, uh just in general the way the Fed's working and all just all, just everything about the stock market and the money and the prop the the valuations of companies and where all the money is really going. And, you know, I before myself, like, did not understand. And you think like, oh, man, I'm, I missed out on that. But like, there's opportunity in, in chaos, right? So That's correct. if you're, if you're position yourself, cash is king, and assets are dropped by 40 to 60%, you know, whether that's in real estate or some other thing, you can definitely significantly increase you know, your overall, you know, your overall bag and everything. So, you know, that's very important that you bring that up. Um, what would you say as far as, you know, people that are, are in real estate, they have a business and they're looking to maybe exit their business in the future. You know, I know you kind of specialize in that realm. Could you speak a little bit about that? If somebody's kind of looking let's say where we are in the cycle about to be in a recession thinking of exiting their their business moving some money around within the next 3 to 5 years could you speak a little bit about to those people what they should be kind of doing sure and so we have to lay some so you have to lay some parameters around that question just from my standpoint so i can answer it as best as possible so whenever i hear that question i'm going to put some guards here so i would say they have a business it's a business maybe they're operating a real estate company to yeah. which they have multifamily units and now they have operators they're not they're not changing the toilets themselves, so to speak. Correct. They have a team that's servicing that. They may also have a side business that's totally unrelated to real estate. Okay. Um, so if we put that as the backdrop, the answer to your question, if somebody is looking in the next three, four, five years, whatever that time frame is um, to exit, whether it's an exit of, look, I want to retire, whether I want to pull some, like a lot of our clients right now, I want to take some money off the table, put it into a cash position and just sit for a second and then reposition in a couple of years. Whatever the reason is, there's a, there's a statement that I like to use. 
that most of us would recognize the names. So whenever I was about 12 years old, I can remember going to McDonald's for the first time. I can remember the cheeseburgers were 39 cents on sale. Back then, <laughs> it used to hang the, the little things, billions. Of, I used to say hundreds of thousands sold. Then I remember billions. Then it went to billions and billions of hamburgers yeah. sold. Now, who, who tracks anymore? The McDonald's Corporation is an unbelievable real estate holding company. In fact, most of your listeners would probably easily recognize that. What's interesting about the McDonald's corporations is its story. And it goes to the central theme of your question. The story of them, if I'm, I'm going to oversimplify this because I'm financially yeah, simple, no, I'm keep it simple, stupid, because I'm the stupid one usually. <laughs> so, the, the story behind the McDonald's is this. The two McDonald's brothers, they made a heck of a hamburger. I mean, they could cook a hamburger that would make your tongue beat your brains out. It was that good. Okay. Lo and behold, they didn't make any money. Ray Kroc comes along and... Maybe he cooked a hamburger in the early days, but he quickly developed a business model that did not center around him, the practitioner. Where the McDonald's brothers cooked a lot of hamburgers, Ray Kroc didn't focus on cooking the hamburgers. He focused on building a system that allows 16-year-olds to cook french fries without burning a restaurant down, right? And so now here some decades later, McDonald's is now an international conglomerate, a huge real estate holding company. How did that come to be? He decentralized himself as the, as the business owner from the center of the operation of the company. If you want to sell your portfolio holdings, if you want to sell your business using that terminology, then the way that you're going to drive up the multiple, the way you're going to drive up the value of that company is a decentralization of you, the business owner from the center of that business. You have to have a business that a 16-year-old can cook french fries without burning down the restaurant and no one having to micromanage them. So if you mm -hmm. apply it to the real estate profession, my granddad, he owned hundreds, hundreds of units, trailer parks, multifamily, all across the Southeast United States. Probably he's the one who's got me into real estate investing years ago. But in his business, we would go fishing and the phone would not ring one time. We would go walking and tromping through the woods and the phone wouldn't ring one time. What most of us have designed are businesses that are solely focused on us and our abilities to operate. What we have to flip in the next three to five years, whatever that time frame is that your business owners are looking toward, is to create an ecostructure or a system to where the people, your manager, so to speak, can field the day-to-day -day operations. And you, theoretically, the business owner, can lead that business for a period of six months, a year, go through a recession like you and I were talking off air, move across the world, go through a recession, and that business not only sustain, but grow. So mm. if you want to build a business for maximum value, one that's going to just create multiplicative effect to your net worth, it's all about the system. It's all about the McDonald's theory of creating a cooking a 16-year-old cooking French fries without burning the place down. So if your business owner is looking in there right now answering the phones, they're not a business. They're an overglorified employee. If the business owner is having to make executive decisions day in, day out, it's not a business. To truly become a business that is sellable for maximum value. I'm talking maximum value being those crazy multiples that we all strive for as entrepreneurs. In order to do that, you have to decentralize yourself from the company. Mm. Yeah. I, I, when I'm hearing that, I'm just like, I feel like wings. I'm just like, oh my God, that sounds just like the dream, like removing yourself from the business. Cause I know so many people, especially when they're like starting in real estate investing, they're trying to remove themselves and then they just, boom, you're sucked right back in. And you're just, 
I got to get back in there and you just get back in there and you're just grinding, 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 grinding. And I think like everybody, even if regardless, if you're not trying to sell your company, like that's what everybody would like to do is like, Hey, I'm good at marketing. I just want to focus on that. You do the day-to-day sales, like you do the operations, you do the secretarial admin work. Like that just sounds like a euphoric, amazing, just, Mm -hmm. and I know it happens. Like I'm not there, but you know, know, like I definitely think that's a, 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 a great theory and hat. Well, it does uh, so, happen. I mean, I interrupt you there for a second, Matthew. It does happen, oh, yeah. but it doesn't for happen sure. by accident. Okay. Mm-hmm. So the way we approach that, so I just put that euphoric type of a La La Land Disney World theme ride, yeah. right? Out there. How do you do it? Here's how mm-hmm. you approach it. You have to understand, first of all, there's eight key areas of business, just eight. I'm going to go through these super fast. I'm not going to find them all. You can go to the podcast. You can go to the financiallysimple.com, read all this stuff, financially simple podcast on iTunes, all that stuff. You can listen to this hour. I got like 400 hours out there about this stuff. So you have planning. Where do we want to be? Where do we want to be three, four, five years from now? And how do we get there? That's planning. That's typically your CEO. That's typically your strong D personality. If you're looking at the disc model, I'm a strong D. I'm a planner. I, I love to plan. So then you have leadership. That's how are you going to put your plans, disseminate that downtown down to your team and have them have buy-in. The story I would give you there is I went to a mule day. I'm like, remember old country boy. Went to a mule day, <laughs> these big old crazy horses or mules pulling these big farm implements back when I was about 12 years old. And I remember watching this mule uh, try to pull this piece of equipment and it could pull about 700 pounds. Okay. Then they, the farmer hooked two mules to it. And in my little head, I would say, well, he can pull twice as much. He can pull like 1400 pounds. He ended up being like 3000 pounds, two mules could pull. Then they put three mules together and it was over 10,000 pounds that these three mules could pull. What you're trying to do through leadership is getting your quote mules, not saying that your employees are a bunch of mules, but you're trying to get your team, whether it's paid W2s or your CPAs, everybody pointing the right direction. That's the leadership component of it. That's probably the one of the hardest things. Then you go into sales. That's actually how do you convert people into saying yes or convert the prospect into saying yes. Then you have marketing. So sales and marketing are different. Marketing is getting the people to your doorstep. You mentioned operations. That's a huge component. That's called throughput. If you read some old, some old basic business books, how do you move from the, from the, from the quote of their piece of real estate to the full rental of the piece of real estate. That's the throughput, so to speak. You have Mm -hmm. people. And that's probably the second most important thing is the team that you align yourself with. Who are those individuals? And do they have your vision? Do they, are they mirroring your personality? So I cannot hire another strong D. My personality won't allow that, but I can hire an S, a C and I, if I'm using that disc model personality theory, then you go into finance and finally risk management or legal. So there's eight key areas of business. If you focus and you build each of those eight key areas over a calendar year um, equally, then you end up building a business that is now getting ready to self-sustain. What most of us do is we focus on operations or focus on sales, or in my case, I focus on planning because those are our strong suits. What we have to do is build up an ecosystem of team members who are opposite in our skill sets, who can focus on those other areas of business that we're not necessarily involved in. Then you bring it back to the final piece and you have to understand there's four really strategic things that make a buyer interested for top dollar in our business. Four things, human capital, how good is our team? So the Alabama Crimson Tide has been dominating the college football uh, space for years now. In fact, I hope my Georgia Bulldogs kick their tail this year, but we'll see. But Alabama, the coach there, he Nick Saban can now go out and recruit high schoolers 
when they're in ninth grade and say, hey, look, we have a rock star team. When you graduate, I want you on my team. and I'll put you in the best team in the country. Whereas in Knoxville, the University of Tennessee kind of sucks right now. They're having a hard time recruiting good players because they don't have a top team. So if we focus on building those people who we pay them more than we think they're worth, we get the best people we can hire and put them in the right direction. We won step one. If we then take our, I'm going to use the term customer capital in our businesses, we're trying to diversify our portfolios, okay? Especially when we're real estate, we're trying to diversify that. If all we have is single family residence within one zip, we got a problem. If all we have is multifamily residence or commercial within a, a small geographic area, we have a risk issue there. We want to diversify the portfolio. We want to diversify our customer capital. Then we want to make sure our structure, that's that organizational position. We want to make sure our structure is in alignment so that now step one leads to step two, leads to step three, leads to step four without us having to think about it, without us having to jump in and teach the team how to do it. So if I go to Starbucks this morning, I order a vanilla, venti, lockup, whatever it is, whatever I order, that barista is going to know exactly how to make it because there's a card there that says, here's the steps one through whatever. Same thing, we have to break it down to the KISS theory in our businesses. And finally, the biggest part, especially as real estate investors, is to have that social capital. So if you take those eight key areas and you boil down these four, the social capital is the one that says, hey, look, Matthew has a heck of a real estate company. Let me tell you why. And you have no idea the conversation is even going on. You've built up such a rapport within your, within your peer group that your peers are looking at you as the industry leader or best-in-class leader of your industry. Now, everything I just described doesn't happen in five years. It can if you have the right amount of flow, right amount of money, but it doesn't happen in five years. It takes time. And knowing how to position each of those, each of those areas is where the world of planning that I deal with comes into play. Mm. Yeah, I love it. I like your uh, your KISS acronym of you know, keep it simple, stupid, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Guilty. I'm, like, I'm using the stupid one. Keep it simple because I'm using the stupid like, one. The simpler the better. When I heard that, I was like, yes, I love that. Like, mm-hmm. Four actual steps. Got it. Keep it. Got Boom. Yeah. Perfect. Love it. So if, if somebody wants to find out more about this, is this is this in your new book? It is. Yeah. The Ultimate Sale released about maybe five, six, seven months ago. Hit a bestsellers list. In fact, I was happy because we beat the Idiot's Guide to thing. So it was great that I could actually... So mine's more simple than the Idiot's Guide to, if that tells you anything about the book. My mom, who doesn't understand anything about finance or investing, whatever, she's a nurse. She read it. She was like, this is pretty good. I understand it. So I tell you folks, look at it on Amazon. It's fixing to be released on Audible here within the next couple of weeks. It's addressing how a business owner can grow their business for maximum value and how they can actually sell and what a sales process. It, it's, I had to take all the various types of sales and try to simplify it. So several of my colleagues in the CPA attorney world would say, Justin, this is ridiculous. But our business owners who are not dealing in this, that ed- educated world there, so to speak, the demo, the, uh, the people that drive me crazy, um, <laughs> that world they want to talk about the scholars they are, those of us who are actually on the streets making money and paying bills for people, we get it. So I would say check it out there. And the podcast is awesome. Like I said, we've got about 400 hours of teaching on how to drive value, how to, how to build net worth. I like to look at trying to double people's net worth every three to five years. And it can be done. If you know, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's very important. You know, as we're talking about like exit strategies, I think, you know, from what I've learned in real estate thus far as like, when I started out to where I am now, it's like, 
we're investing in larger units. And one of the things is, was like, what's the holding period? We're already thinking the exit strategy before we're even getting into it. And I think that's almost like a like restructuring and engineering of the brain. And like, you're thinking like, okay, if I want to sell this in five years, like what are the steps I want to take? So having individuals like you, you know, acquiring yourself back to the our original statements of acquiring knowledge, you know, those things will better prepare you for a recession, exit strategies, as opposed to like, oh, 2000 or 2022, recession hits. Now I want to sell my company. Well, yeah, guess what? You along with 95 other million with an evaluation of overinflated are trying to sell as well. But if you were positioning yourself now, reading your book and when aligning yourself with the right individuals, structuring yourself with the right people, right team, you're going to be able to, you know, establish that credibility and liquidate your, uh, liquidate your company as fast or not as fast as possible, but as beneficial to you as possible. That's the goal, um, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Well, I love, I love it. I love all the information that you've shared. You've been very valuable. I want to close it out with the closing three questions. First question is what is your favorite book to regift? Yeah. So my favorite book is the, um, Napoleon Hill wrote a book called think and grow rich. Mm-hmm. I have read that book every year since I was 16 years old. I read that mm. book along with five others. Um, but that is the one book that whenever I have a client's kid who's graduating college, I give that book. That is the mm. one book that I would tell every person they should read yearly because it applies to much more than business. It applies to life. And it's all in the mind. If we can think it, we can achieve it. So thinking grow rich would be the answer to that question. I'm curious, what's one of the other five? So I can tell you all five. So Think and Grow Rich is one. The, ri- the Richest Man in Babylon. The Richest Man in Babylon is written in late 1800s, or I think early 1900s. Mm-hmm. Um, Contrarian Views, um, Robert Kiyosaki's Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I love it. Okay. Contrarian to him is Dave Ramsey's Total Money Makeover. I think you can get a little bit of wisdom from both of those. And then mm-hmm. if, you, if you focus in on a Bible and look at uh, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, there's a lot of wisdom there. Solomon was one of the wisest men, according to uh, legend, to ever walk this earth. And he put his wisdom in writing in, in a Bible. And I think if you can focus it on Proverbs and Ecclesiastes, man, there's so much there we can glean from it and we can apply it on our, our daily lives. So those are the five books that annually I read every year. Mm, love it. Second question is, what is a pain point or weakness you face in your business right now? I'm a strong D. I'm a strong dominant mm. personality. I can charge hell with a water pistol. I can do it better than anybody else, according to my own mind, right? Uh, the weakness I have is I know how to get there. I don't have the patience to get there. Mm. And so I have to have a team of people who are constantly holding me back and saying, Justin, we see where you're going. Give us a little bit more time. And so the weakness I have is the lack of patience. I see so much blue ocean ahead of me that it's like, just get out of the way. Let's go. And Mm. the patience to trust the team and the patience to allow the team to build the structures to attack that ocean is probably the weakest area. And that's the pain point I deal with right now. Yeah, I feel like especially in this day and age, a lot of people are really struggling with patience in general. Everybody wants it right now. So, you know, we're in that same boat there with you. All right. Third question. If you were to live anywhere in the world for one year, where would you live and why? So I would either live somewhere in North Alaska mm-hmm. or somewhere in the near the Philippines, maybe somewhere like Midway. And I'll tell you why mm. both those locations. Number one, I'm extremely introverted. You would never know that. Listen to me. Extremely introverted. Love the outdoors. I love seeing 
creation. I want to see the Northern Lights more than anything else in this world. And so living in Northern Alaska, being away from everybody, watching creation, watching the Northern Lights would be amazing to me for a year. Might freeze, but I'd be amazing, right? Um, my wife's half Filipino. Um, I fell in love with the Indonesian culture, the, the, the islands of the sea culture. Some of the most beautiful areas of our world is in the Far East from where we are currently. So I think it'd be fun to like a boar boar sit in one of those bungalows for a year and just fish and just sit back and again, watch creation. So those'd be the two locations. Mm, Have you been to the Philippines? I have personally not. My wife's been there several times. She wants to take me to Mm. several little islands that she's been to. Boracay is one that she wants to go back to. Um, It's not too far from where her parents were raised and several family members live at this point. So at some point we'll Mm. travel to Boracay and um, just live there, live there for a little bit. Oh yeah, man. I, I was in the Philippines a while back and you'll love it. You'll love it. It's, it's, it's to die for, for sure. Well, awesome. Well, I appreciate having you on Justin. I know the audience is going to take a lot of values as far as, you know, restructuring their thinking about, you know, exit strategies is concerned with their business and, you know, really get the best value for their money with their business and really kind of scale and prepare themselves for the next stage, whether that's a recession or not. So appreciate it, man. We'll catch you on the next go around my friend. Thanks brother. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Please follow me on Instagram where I'm going to be posting more real estate content at Matthew Baltzell. Peace.